Are you ready to bulldoze through any barriers that stand in your way? Are you ready to pursue development opportunities relentlessly? What do you know about the American Collegiate Horsemen's Association? All this and more in today's episode with Dr. Crystal Smith. Get ready, Thrivers. It's a good one. Hey, friend. Welcome to the Thriving Equine Professional. Are you wondering how to make connections to build a career in the equine industry? Not sure where to look for the support you'll need to land a dream job? Maybe you're feeling frustrated or stuck. Hey, I'm Jody. I was that girl with no clue how to navigate landing a great career in animal health, but I knew this is where I wanted to be. I look back and cannot believe the roles I've landed and the people I call friends. Inside this podcast, you will meet key connections, build your career confidence, and find the advice you may not know you need. So if you're ready to grow your career and thrive in a job that you are passionate about, you're in the right place. Get the ponies fed and fill those water buckets. It's time to grow, girl. Thrivers, do not miss out. There are two huge opportunities that I want to make sure you are taking advantage of. The first is Next Gen Equine Vet Med. So spring 2024, I'm hosting five locations for Next Gen Equine Vet Med. And that means if you are an undergraduate student with any interest in pursuing a career in or around the equine veterinary medicine industry, you need to be at one of these locations in the spring semester of 2024. So head on over to my website, www.jodyspeakslife.com. That's www.jodyspeakslife.com. And get yourself registered for one of our locations for spring 2024. You can choose from Nebraska, Georgia, Texas, Kentucky, or West Virginia. So head on over and get that done. Secondly, my calendar is filled for 2023 and I am booking for 2024. So if you are part of any organization that is looking for a dynamic, productive workshop based on communication and behavioral styles, you need to reach out to me today. I am having so much fun working with organizations around the country to really drive greater communication, collaboration, effectiveness, and productivity. So reach out today and let's talk about how I can help you and your organization succeed and exceed expectations and goals. So with that, let's get on with the show. Welcome back, Thrivers. We are here for another episode of the Thriving Equine Professional, and you are in for a tremendous episode today. So I will just say, grab your journals and let's grow, girl, because there is a lot to learn today. 
we have a very special guest with us whom I have actually never met in person. So Dr. Crystal Smith and I were connected this year through a mutual connection and found very quickly that we share the same passion, not only for the equine industry, but friends, really specifically for you, for our young listeners, our undergraduate students, those of you who have an interest in equine, maybe you already have an interest in pursuing an equine career, or perhaps you love horses and don't know if you can actually make a living at it. You're going to learn all about the opportunities that are available to you today. So with no further ado, I want to introduce you to Dr. Crystal Smith, who is a teaching professor in the Division of Animal and Nutritional Sciences within the Davis College of Agriculture, Natural Resources, and Design at West Virginia University. Crystal, Dr. Smith, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Jody. I am so excited because I feel like the first time that you and I met, uh, similarly over Zoom, and we connected, we just had such a similar passion and heart for the students who have an interest in pursuing equine studies. So I'm excited to share not only your role, Dr. Smith, but also your journey and how you have moved through your young years as a horse enthusiast and a champion, really, in the show ring to pursuing your bachelor's degree and your master's degree at Penn State in animal science. So let's start at the beginning. Let our listeners know a little bit about kind of where you came from and what that early background looked like. Okay, so I actually grew up in central Pennsylvania on a horse farm, so I was pretty fortunate and that my mom was involved in horses, so then I got to be involved in horses as a youth, and so my young horse history is a little bit varied in that, you know, my mom had a lesson and training program, and so I also grew up taking lessons from both her and peers of hers and showing my own horses, and then she also managed a standard bred breeding farm in our hometown at that period of time. And so I was very fortunate to grow up in that side of the industry and was involved in breeding standard bred horses and foaling out mares in the spring, and then also prepping standard bred horses for sales in the fall. So although I was more of a stock horse kid in my show horse side of things, and I also kind of grew a love for the standard breds in the breeding and the sales prep side of things. So pretty fortunate to have that experience. And I also was a really active 4-H member. And that definitely is what I credit for me going to Penn State and pursuing my undergrad degree. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, to point out some of us when some of us grew up in in horses and pursued it and never walked away and others were like, oh my gosh, I grew up around that. I'm out. I'm going to go a different direction. So this has truly been a lifelong journey and passion of yours. So you are crediting the 4-H opportunity to your journey then on to Penn State. So you decided and you knew that you wanted to pursue a bachelor's degree in animal science. Is that how it kind of got started? What did you want to do? That is how it got started. So I think when I was young, I was one of those kids who assumed that I would grow up to be a veterinarian. 
I definitely thought that that would be the case through undergrad as well. And then it wasn't until later in my undergrad degree when I started thinking about other things that I could do to still be involved in the industry and really impact the industry, but maybe not do it from a vet truck or a clinic. And I was one of those students who applied to one and only one place in school, which would be very unlikely nowadays, but I had a really strong 4-H background. My mom was a 4-H leader and I participated in a lot of the judging and hippology, like the horse knowledge contests as a youth. And so we always traveled to state college to compete on the state level. And so I already sort of had an affinity for Penn State and knew the campus and was like, well, this is where I'm going. And so I applied and thankfully I got in, although that is not the advice that I would give students today. Right. Similarly to me, I grew up in Maryland, but I did. I applied to no schools other than four schools in Kentucky. There was no doubt in my mind I was running away from home and I was coming to Kentucky. So I know that feeling, but yes, I know that you advise so many students in your job today and that we would encourage them to have a couple of different ideas and backup plans, if you will. So now from your your bachelor's degree, as you started to make that transition, you then were an assistant trainer. Is that right? So you didn't go directly into your master's program? I did not. And I actually think there was a lot of value in that for me. So when I graduated from college, I went back home and helped my mom on her home farm. And then I also worked as an assistant trainer at a quarter horse farm for a period of time. I still sort of had the vet school bug in the back of my mind. And so while I was doing that, I went on the road and worked with a sports medicine vet to sort of solidify for me whether or not I absolutely wanted to go that route or I absolutely did not. And for me, that year and a half to two years really helped me kind of find my path. And I sort of started angling myself towards education in a lot of different ways. And so I made the choice to go back and do a master's at Penn State. And I worked with Ann Swinker and Pat Comerford, who were very involved in both youth programming and adult extension programming on the equine side of things at that time. And so in my master's, I was really able to start doing kind of that non-traditional education work on the extension side of things and really found a love for that. Yeah. And that is then where you have spent your career really in a few different ways. So I thought that was really pretty fascinating. And I don't want to gloss over your decision to not pursue vet school. So you and I both talked to so many young people. And I think there are a couple different aspects of that. One is that when we have an interest in careers in the equine industry or animal science, we think that vet school is one of our only two or three options. And so automatically, I feel like so many people, if you're going to get an animal science degree, they're like, oh, do you want to be a vet? Well, for me, no, I never wanted to be a veterinarian. And I knew that I wanted an industry career. But I do believe also that what we're trying to do is showcase all of these vast careers because you don't have to be a veterinarian, but you can still be involved in the industry in some way in and around animal health. So you mentioned that you spent really over a year kind of solidifying that decision. Yeah, absolutely. And I find myself having these conversations and advising and mentoring sessions with students even today that 
the horse industry is wider and has more scope than really what we think. And so does the animal industry in general or agriculture as a whole. And so figuring out all of the things, right, that you might want to pursue and then pursuing some opportunities to either lead you down that path or lead you away from it, I think is really important for them. Yes, without a doubt. So then you stepped into a master's program where you did some really fascinating work. So I want to hear a little bit from you in regard to that equine science program and the research that you did with the Youth Horse Council. So talk us through a little bit about that period of your journey. Yeah, so while I was doing my master's degree, I had the opportunity to help teach some classes in the equine studies program. And so What's interesting is even as far back as my master's, I sort of was already in this career development vein that I find myself to still be in today. So I actually taught a careers in the horse industry class with Dr. Swinker at that time that helped students, right, develop those career seeking materials and kind of start thinking about the skills that they needed to be marketable. And that's something that I really find I still have a ton of passion for today. And then I was able to be involved in some research with the American Horse Youth Horse Council. And so we did a large study of youth that were involved in youth horse programming. So we looked at members from 4-H horse programs, pony club programs, high school rodeo programs, and the American Quarter Horse Youth Association, and evaluated how their horsemanship skills development and their life skills development sort of went hand in hand. And so what we found, right, is those students that are committed and and have a real passion for developing their horsemanship skills also are youth that have really high levels of life skills that we still find to be great soft skills today in the professional setting, like time management, communication, empathy, all of those things. And so I definitely, looking back, that master's degree really kind of set the course of my career. And it's it's still kind of underlining or underlying what I'm doing today. Yeah, without a doubt. And I look at some of the really standout advice that you give. Number one, where you and I just relentlessly agree with each other is pursue career and personal development opportunities. And you use the word relentlessly, which I just love because to your point, those are the, what I call character traits and character skills that give us hireable individuals. Those are the individuals that really come with a great deal of skill and ability and enthusiasm and all of the things that we're looking for when we're hiring really for character. And many of the skills can be trained, but really what we're looking for is character. And so I know that you believe strongly in that career and personal development. So that um, it sounds like is where it all started and something that you continue to advise and mentor today. Definitely. I definitely think that's underlying everything. Even in my job today, we're a, we are a very strengths and purpose-based institution here at West Virginia University. And so we mentor and advise a lot on looking at your own personal development, kind of seeing where your strengths lie, really working to those strengths, right? We know there's a lot of research out there that if people are playing into their strengths and kind of pursuing them with some purpose, they tend to have a lot more career satisfaction. And so I definitely agree with that um, and believe in it. And we believe in it pretty strongly here at WVU. 
And then definitely my advice to students, right, is pursue those opportunities relentlessly, network with people constantly, and just be aware, right, that everything you do as you kind of navigate through life is affecting your outcome. So we kind of expect our students to get a little hyper aware of that at WVU. And I think that's what's allowed them to be really successful. Yeah, without a doubt. And I know in your email signature, you highlight your Clifton strengths. And so you and I very early on recognize that we have some overlapping strengths. I've done previous podcast episode on how important it is to pursue and understand whether it's DISC or Clifton strengths or others. And it really is something that I believe that you are at the forefront in your program and we can actually do a better job of in academia even because that student to professional training transition, that's a gap. And those kinds of awarenesses and recognition and the ability to identify and be self-aware, those are the ways that we really maximize and excel in that student to professional transition. So I just love how really, as you say, hyper-focused you are on that and growing our students, not only academically and clinically, but also in these real professional skills as well. Absolutely. So take us then, Crystal, from that master's program to the next step where you did step into extension. Okay, so I graduated from my master's program in 2005 and was able to land a pretty unique job with Virginia Cooperative Extension in Northern Virginia doing specifically equine extension programming. So Virginia has a very regionalized extension program in terms of how their ag agents are laid out. And so the area that I was stepping into had recently created a job knowing that there was this big untapped unserved horse market and they were positioning an ag agent in one of those counties. And so I applied, I landed that position and I really, really loved what I was able to do there. So for me, I get a lot of excitement and have a lot of drive for kind of building something and creating something. So it was kind of the perfect role for me to step into network, kind of do a big needs assessment in that area, and then build a program that people in that part of Northern Virginia could really be proud of and be engaged in. Yeah. And and I think that's just fascinating where you were doing, I mean, as I read it, nationally recognized equine education programs and farm consultations for the horse owners. So tell us a little bit about what that you built it. What was it? Yeah. So for me, I started out really focusing my efforts on adult programming because as an ag agent, that was sort of what I was hired to do. And so a lot of it was just kind of embedding myself in the community, getting out there and meeting with the existing groups that were in the area. And then what we found, right, is that a lot of horse owners or operations kind of struggle with the same basic things um, from region to region. So I tended to do a lot of farm consultations on pasture and land management business So actually how to run a successful boarding business, training business, lesson business, whatever the case may be. And then also a lot on just like feeding programs and kind of overall environmental management. So I started out really just with a lot of farm consultations to kind of see what the problems were, what the needs were that people needed addressed, and then started building extension programs around that. And so we had a really great network 
of ag agents in Virginia. I've learned a lot from the agronomy agents and some of the older agents that had been there in the field working in that area for quite some time. And so I partnered with many of them, either on ag business management stuff, taxation, land management, nutrient management things, and just kind of pulled all of those resources together and presented it right to an equine audience with more of an equine specific flair. So then once I sort of had the adult programming rolling, I turned my attention to doing some more youth programming in that area. And so was able to start some competitive horse judging and hippology and horse bull teams. Virginia, again, has a great extension program with a really strong youth component and a really strong youth horse program. And so was just able to grow the teams in that area of the state that had previously been underserved. And I'm so happy and thankful that a lot of those programs are still thriving and existing today. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that's quite an undertaking. And so one of the things that I love to highlight is how much control we have over our destiny, if we just want to say it in a cliche type way, right? So you walked into an opportunity that you chose to pour yourself into. And we can either show up and just do our job or we can show up and totally bring our authentic selves and pour our hearts and soul into something to build it. And that's really what I continue just to see. And we haven't known each other for a long time, but that just exudes, right? And when we have the opportunity to share with young people, it is so much bigger than just us. And so I think that that's just a story of how you create your destiny and you developed relationships and you built programs and you created in the equine industry something new and you are continuing to bring young people in through that system and through those opportunities of judging and 4-H and and all of those activities. So I think that's really important to highlight how we can own what we do and who we are. Yeah. Thank you so much for noticing that. It is very rewarding to see sort of the youth of days gone by right now show up in my world. So it's kind of come full circle. So for instance, this summer, I had a horse at UPenn for a vet appointment. And one of the youth at the time that was on our state horse judging contest that grew up in Virginia 4-H and was a really active, great, passionate 4-H member was the internal resident or the internal medicine resident at UPenn when I was there for that that appointment. And she has since gone on um, and secured a job at Colorado State. So there's lots of great examples of that where students or youth that I knew through 4-H programming or even now at West Virginia, like through our horse shows and events that we hosted our facility are starting to come to college, graduate, go on and be in careers of their own. And so it's just so fulfilling to see that kind of circle complete itself. Yeah, without a doubt. That's so exciting. So how then did you go from an extension agent in Virginia to now being on faculty at West Virginia University? Walk us through that transition. Okay, so the job at West Virginia University actually came up twice. I mean, the first time it came up, interestingly, I looked at the position and I was like, that's a great job. That looks like a wonderful position. But my husband and I had just moved into a new house. My boyfriend at the time, but my now husband just moved into a new house. We had gone through a little bit of change sort of in our 
careers in Virginia. And so I was like, the timing is just not right on this. And so I passed and I continued to work in Virginia Extension and everything was kind of rocking and rolling there. And a year later, the job came up again. And again, I looked at the position and was like, this is kind of my perfect job. So it was at that point, kind of a fledgling program that was just getting started. They had some equine classes that adjuncts had offered sort of in a loose curriculum over the course of the last couple of years. There was a faculty member that was hired to come in and kind of get the program started. And so she had the ball rolling a little bit, but it was sort of wide open. And one of those situations that again, you could kind of build it and decide where you wanted the program to go. And so again, applied, ended up coming to West Virginia, loving it loving kind of the landscape and just the culture in West Virginia. And so I have been here since 2011 and have been able to do some just insane things here at WVU. I don't know that I would have been able to do anybody anywhere else. So I definitely pay a lot of respect to my my leadership at WVU and just the overall culture at WVU for what we've been able to get done here. Yeah. So you are leading the equine studies program. So tell us, let's go piece by piece. Tell us about the equine studies program and what that entails. Okay. So uh, the equine studies program at WVU is a minor. So it's about 20 credits. Um, It's broken up into three career driven tracks. So we have some core curriculum that all of our students take part in. And then from there, depending on your career goals, um, whether you want to enter more of a science-based track, which tends to be where our pre-vet students land, a management track, which tends to be where most of our industry students land, or an equine-assisted therapy track, which tends to be a lot of preclinical students, right, that are using either therapeutic riding or hypotherapy or equine-assisted learning as part of their clinical work. So we have it sort of Broken out into those three tracks, students then pursue pretty specific coursework to kind of lead them towards that ultimate career goal. And so we have a big mix of students here at WVU in terms of just location, equine background, sort of what their career goals are. So at WVU, we're about 50% in-state to out-of-state students. Um, So it's a nice mix. We tend to recruit a lot of students from the Northeast and the East Coast. So we get a lot of diversity of discipline and background. And our students are everything from beginner horsemen who are just super passionate about the horse, want to be involved in the industry, to students that have evented at the upper levels, to students that have shown nationally um, and have been very successful. So it's a big range and kind of diverse pool of students that comes into our program. And I think that brings a lot to the table as well. Yes, without a doubt. And you all have a fairly renovated research farm there, if I'm not mistaken. And I think you've had a pretty tremendous hand in the evolution of that. So talk to us a little bit about your horse unit. Okay, yeah. So we do have a a very lovely farm that we are super fortunate to have here at WVU. So when I arrived in 2011, there was old block barn on the existing farm. Um, and it's a farm that is fairly large. It's about a thousand acres. And I share this facility with a beef cattle operation. And then most of the forage production for our farm system 
also comes off of this farm. So thousand acres, a lot of it in forage, a lot of it in beef cattle grazing, and then about 60 acres designated to the horse unit. And so we basically had a barn. We had an arena that was fairly newly built, an indoor arena. The extension was kind of partnered with us on, and then that was it. And so for years, we sort of operated in that space. We fixed what we could, sort of renovated as we generated funds and had money. And I really credit a lot of the work that was done at the horse unit to my team of working students. So I always have a team of about six undergrads that are part of our equine studies program that work daily alongside of me to help teach our classes, manage our horses, manage the land, manage the community events or the horse shows that we have coming into the facility. And so at some point in 2014, I sat down with my team of working students and was like, if we had endless resources, what would you guys want to see here? What would make our job easier? What are the facilities that we could have that would increase our ability to teach classes out here at the farm? You know, like dream big, what's on the wish list? And so we actually wrote a small proposal. Um, I went to my leadership team with it at the time in our college. I had a donor selected that I sort of wanted to target. And so that was really critical. And then we were able to push that through our foundation and they allowed us to make that ask. So in 2014, we asked the Hazel Ruby McQueen Charitable Trust, which is a large philanthropic trust in Morgantown. It supports many, many amazing things in the community. So like our hospital is named after the Rubies. There's an amphitheater in Morgantown. There's many things that the Ruby Trust has given money to over the years. And the connection for us is that J.W. Ruby was local businessman who was very involved in agriculture, very involved in mining and some other industries. And the farm that we sit on was his farm and it was his horse farm. And so he had a real affinity for quarter horses and he had some saddlebreds and some standard bred race horses here at this facility back in the 50s and 60s. And after he passed away, the farm was sold and had changed hands, right? But the money in that trust kind of lives on. And so they actually awarded us a little over $6 million to renovate the facility. And so that's what's allowed us to expand and kind of change the face of the farm out here in Preston County. I love that story. And I'm so excited to get there and tour that facility just because now that, you know, as you and I have continued to have these conversations and we're planning this upcoming event in April, we'll get to that. But I am so excited to see where you all are spending your time and really what this program that you have been in in charge of has evolved into. So I think that's really, again, just a credit to pursuing your career and development opportunities relentlessly, as you say, and really thinking out of the box and thinking about tomorrow instead of today, oftentimes is is what I'll say, kind of what makes things happen and continue to grow and develop. So I, I think that's just wonderful for your program. Absolutely. And it's really changed the face of things for us here. So We actually still operate in the same barn that I came here to. We've renovated it since and has a little bit of a different look to it. The indoor arena is still here and exists. And so we're still utilizing that. But the gift of the trust allowed us to do a lot of site work, a lot of drainage work that needed to be done on the barn. And then we were able to build a really nice outdoor arena with lights and a great drainage system. 
a multi-purpose building, which is basically horse show stabling for events. And then we have an education center on site that has a classroom, the office that I'm sitting in now. And then we also have an apartment that students can live in on site on the farm. Or if our equestrian teams are here showing, they'll oftentimes overnight in the apartment. So they are here for night checks for their horses and things like that. Yes, fantastic. And it really does. It makes that student experience all that much more rich. I think that when you step into a program like that and you're really able to be a part of something and be, whether they're living there or staying overnight, just being a part of the farm operations and seeing what it takes for those programs to run and to be able to host those shows and be involved in the organizations in addition to your academic journey. Those are really the experiences that I think take it to the next level. So really tremendous program. And I'll be excited to learn more and excited to get there and see it. But I mentioned an event that we are doing. So I'm excited really today, Crystal, to talk about two things with you. And that is the ACHA, the American Collegiate Horsemen's Association. So let's start with that. Let's start with ACHA and give our listeners an overview of that group and what your involvement is uh, and what they do. So ACHA or the American Collegiate Horsemen's Association is a national group that sort of unites collegiate horsemen from all backgrounds, all types of schools through leadership, education, and service is kind of what drives that mission. And so there are quite a few things that ACHA does nationally on the local level for us here at WVU and what you'll find at a lot of different schools is it serves as a local student organization kind of brings together all of those equine students. Some of the local chapters are completely embedded with their IHSA programs and other teams that they have on campus. Some of them are a little bit separate. So it's very flexible in terms of how local chapters choose to engage in ACHA. But the crux of it is kind of pulls those students together and allows them to develop educational opportunities, whether that's guest speakers coming to campus, them putting on demos that are related to some facet of the horse industry, also traveling to our national convention, which is like our major event of the year. So kind of pulls those students together, allows them to find out who their peers are that they're going to be working in the industry with, and then not only allows them to do that locally, but again, at that national level. Yeah, so I'm excited. I wasn't involved. I was on our IHSA, Intercollegiate Horse Show Association team in college, but not involved in the ACHA. So as you and I have continued to talk about the importance of that, it sounds really like quite an active organization nationally, not just locally for you at WVU, but you're in a leadership role at a national level. Is that correct? That is correct. So I'm actually serving in my second two-year term as a national advisor for ACHA. And I really, again, just love and appreciate that role because I get to work with our national officer team, which is represented by students from schools across the country. And so not only, you know, am I working with our officer team here locally, but I'm getting to work with students from Texas A&M, North Dakota State, ABAC here at WVU that are on that national team that are actually involved in planning national planning national convention. They're also involved in planning some individual membership 
sponsored events, um, and then also deciding what those national philanthropy opportunities are going to look like for ACHA. Okay. And when you talk about the national convention, tell us a little bit more about what that is. And so what is the 2024 national convention? Where is it? What is it? Give us more. Okay. So we're super excited about national convention this year. We're actually hosting April 10th through 13th at Murray State University in Murray, Kentucky. So we will be there for three days of learning and leadership. And so convention usually contains some sort of kind of local cultural team building type activity. We'll do an industry day, which is full of tours or demonstrations that are very horse industry oriented. And then we'll also have a professional development day, which is again, a lot of panel discussions, interaction with professionals in the field usually some sort of keynote speaker that's talking about something that's hot in the industry or sort of should be top of mind in the industry for these students as they're thinking about exiting college and entering their careers. Yeah, I think it just sounds like a tremendous organization. And so how do students become involved in this? If if our listeners have never heard of the ACHA, where do they go? So the best place to go is to our website. So the website for ACHA is collegiate horsemen and it's horsemenmen.org. And on the website, you'll find information about the club itself, how to become involved as members. And so we have had schools that have started their own chapter in the past with individual members in that chapter. We've also had students that have come to convention on their own as just individual members to kind of get a taste of what ACHA is like. So then hopefully they'll go home and start their own chapters locally. So there's opportunities for individual and club memberships. There are also opportunities for scholarships at the national level. We have a philanthropy challenge and we have a very hotly contested scrapbook competition at the national convention as well. Awesome. So just a ton of opportunities. I will also make sure that I put that website in the show notes. So if you all didn't get that written down, if you're listening and driving, whatever that is, it'll be in the show notes. So just make sure that you get to the ACHA website to check that out, especially for undergraduate listeners that we want them to be involved. Any help like this that is, as you say, learning and leadership, that is really what our purpose is as you begin to consider the transition from student to professional and step out into these industry opportunities. We want to continue to widen the opportunity and really fill the gap as it comes to your opportunities for learning and leadership. So I thought that was really important to touch on and continue to get awareness of all the great things that you're doing with ACHA. Thanks, Jody. The other thing I would mention is we are going to have you on a Zoom later this year in February for all of our dues paid members. And you're going to focus pretty heavily on kind of what a student needs to do to really hustle and thrive in the horse industry. So we're super thankful to have you involved in that as well. 
Yes, I am excited to do that and get with those students and go through some of my, what I call wild success, right? Communicating for wild success and thriving, not just surviving. So I do, again, I give all the props to those of you that are pouring into considerable academic and clinical education. And then you and I certainly have this passion for development. And that goes back to your point of relentlessly pursuing career and personal and professional development. So that's exactly what we're going to do with your ACHA group nationally. And we're going to have a little fun and do a little development. Yes, I can't wait. So finally, I kind of, in my mind, I save a little bit of the best for last. It's all so good. But the reason you and I, Crystal, were connected is because I decided earlier this year in 2023 to kind of launch a next-gen equine vet med. And I have a strong passion after the number of years that I have spent working in and around equine veterinary medicine, have been just so blessed uh, in the opportunities I've had. But we all know that we are facing a little bit of a crisis, right? We have a shortage of equine veterinarians. We have a shortage of support staff, technicians, et cetera. And so the more we can get the message out and the more support that we can provide young students to encourage them to pursue careers in and around equine veterinary medicine, I feel like the better off we will be moving forward. So you are offering and have offered to host one of these five events that we have for the spring 2024 semester for next-gen equine veterinary medicine. So let's talk about that because again, registration is open and we are looking for any interested undergraduate students who maybe they know they want to pursue a career as a veterinarian. Maybe they considered it but have no idea what that looks like. Maybe they think they might, but maybe they want a career in the industry. These are the students we're looking for from all around the region. And really with these five events from Nebraska to Georgia to Texas to Kentucky and to West Virginia, Every student in this country has the opportunity to choose one of these locations and come and really learn more about what it takes to become an equine veterinarian, to answer some of those questions about, will I be able to live on that salary? And will I be able to have a family? How am I going to afford vet school? How do I even apply or interview all of those things? So I do want to let our listeners know not only about the Next Gen Equine Vet Med, but Crystal, tell us a little bit about why you decided that WVU was the perfect location to host Next Gen Equine Vet Med. Okay, so we're super excited to be hosting this. I like Jody said, sort of share her passion of wanting to fix the crisis in the equine veterinary industry and just in the labor market, I think in general, you know, everywhere that I go with students, people are looking for good employees. So I think it's really a great market for our students to be in as they enter the industry and that employers want good, passionate, gritty, smart people, right, to come help them sort of be the future of the industry. And so we're really passionate about that here. We've been fairly successful here at WVU in putting quite a few students into vet school and then having quite a few of them actually enter and stay in equine practice. So we're excited to be a part of it. I think WVU is a great host site because we're sort of that hub of the Northeast where everybody can kind of 
travel down to Morgantown um, and be a part of this meeting. And I think the other cool thing about our location here in West Virginia is we have quite a diversity of practitioners that serve this region. So we are not in a super horse intensive location in West Virginia, although right across the border in the Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania area, there is a very heavy horse pocket pocket. And so we have, you know, single ambulatory practitioners that work out of their truck to mixed animal practitioners that have somebody on staff that's very equine focused with the clinic to equine specialty hospitals in the area. And so I'm hoping we'll be able to pull in just a broad, diverse group of practitioners also to interact with these students and show them that there isn't one size fits all in equine medicine either, right? So just like it's not one size fits all in the horse industry, it's not that way in equine practice as well. Yes. And that that's just it. I feel that we, again, there, there are some programs out there that are really serving our pre-vet students well, our veterinary students, certainly. And I just have this huge passion for our undergraduate students that may or may not even know they can do this. They can pursue a career in equine veterinary medicine. It's rewarding. It's fulfilling. They can make a living. They can have a family. And so let's get them here together. And I have a few objectives. You know, first and foremost, back to your original point, that we will introduce them. And so for many of them, you are introducing them to development, personal and professional development, and what that looks like, and really taking our own opportunity towards self-awareness to become more effective in who we are and how we communicate. And so objective number one would be development. Objective number two is community. Without a doubt, we want to grow this community of young people so they know that each other And then they know those of us who are helping them connect with the resources that they need in order to continue on this journey. And that is their journey through undergraduate, their journey from student to professional, their journey into vet school, through vet school, out into the world. Any piece and part of that journey, we are bringing people together like you and me and other industry professionals to say, hey, we got you. We've got you. We're here. Pick up the phone, send us a text, send us an email, whatever that looks like. We will help connect you to the right people and resources that you need in order to navigate this sometimes cumbersome and complicated system. And then beyond the the connections there, I think the magic of the day and really where I put my heart and soul into it is to put them in front of five or six equine veterinarians that are just ahead of where they are. They are in their first decade of practice, as we like to say, and they are thriving. And not because they haven't gone through challenges and difficulties and had to jump hurdles and navigate the system, but they are really the most valuable resource for these young people who are making the decision, an undergraduate who is saying, well, I might want to go to vet school, but I don't know. I do want to go to vet school, but I have all these people telling me not to do equine, to do small animal. And that in and of itself is something that I just really intend to address is that equine veterinary medicine is rewarding and fulfilling. And so we need to continue to encourage undergraduate students who have a little bit of an interest to pursue it and 
to find out for themselves if it is something they want to do and not to listen to some of the negativity that we know they're being faced with. Yeah, that's a real challenge for me is that I get very frustrated to hear people just talking students out of their dreams, right? So we just took students to Kentucky um, and through parts of West Virginia on a racehorse industry tour um, as part of like an immersive travel course at WVU. And the take-home message that most of our students came back with was, number one, how life-changing it was to see just kind of the scope of the industry and how many opportunities are out there. And number two, that everywhere they went, right, they could see themselves in some part of that trip or in some part of the industry. And there were professionals there doing it who were eager to have them. And so many of them reflected on the fact that, you know, we go through life and people tell us that they can't make a living in this industry or we're never going to be happy in equine practice or whatever the case may be. And they're like, but we just interacted with all of these people who are living the life that they want to live in the industry that they want to be in. And there's opportunities for there for us there as well. And so I just think anytime students can be engaged with a group of, you know, positive people who are out there doing it, the better off they'll be. Yes, without a doubt. I just I'm I'm over here just cheering for that because it is like we are here to fuel dreams, not to throw water on the fire. And so often the fueling of those dreams comes exactly what you're talking about. It's from the people who are out there doing it. And so the negativity so often is coming from folks that aren't even doing it. They're just seeing the news. It's no different than watching the news in any capacity. They're hearing things and seeing things and they're saying, oh, don't do this. No, that's nonsense. There are, this is a thriving industry with some really incredible people and it continues to get better. And so that's exactly why I believe that we need efforts like Next Gen Equine Vet Med. And so to put the a group of thriving equine veterinarians from your region and from the region in and around each of these five locations. I watched it happen in Lexington this March, which is why I was so excited to just bring it back and make it bigger, is those students sat there just leaned forward listening to these practitioners say, let me tell you about the hard days, but let me tell you why I love what I do. And they've gone through some of those transitions from very early on as veterinarians to growing a family, getting married, whatever, being able to still ride and compete their horses if that's what they choose to do. And so we have the reality stories to share. And that is the objective. So for every student out there, everyone who knows an undergraduate student who may or may not have an interest in an equine career in or around veterinary medicine, we encourage you to pursue Next Gen Equine Vet Med. We have five locations for you in the spring. WVU will be April 20th. And so we will start in Nebraska on February 10th. And then the, the final event is at WVU on Saturday, April 20th. So again, they can find more information about that at my website, www.jodyspeakslife.com. All of these things will also be in the show notes. But I wanted to make sure that we shared that because I am so excited that we will be at WVU to welcome. We're going to cap it at, at 100 students, somewhere around 100 students, and come spend the day with us and get fired up about equine veterinary medicine. 
Absolutely. We need everybody out there in the industry. So I want this industry to thrive moving forward and to be there for me when I'm retired and I'm ready to go back and be a select rider. And so we need these young professionals out there just continuing to drive the industry forward. Yes, without a doubt. Crystal, you have shared so much with us today. And so I keep coming back. I'm going to repeat it again. Your advice, pursue career and personal development opportunities relentlessly. And number two, recognize strengths and find your purpose. You spoke about strengths, but really just continuing to pursue the journey. And I I think I repeat in many episodes that it isn't end destination that we are seeking. It is truly the every day that we are putting our heart and soul into that is really where we get our reward, our fulfillment in this life that we're living. And then we really didn't bring up, but I know you like to talk about bulldozing through barriers. And so will you wrap us up with that piece of advice, kind of your third piece of advice, bulldozing through barriers? Bulldozing through barriers. So I just am a person who doesn't like to be told no. And so if I get a no, then I immediately revert back to my strengths, which is that I'm very strategic and I'm all about kind of activating people and getting them working forward in the same direction. And so For me, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to be the person that comes from a really strong equine background to be successful as an adult in the industry. But when there are barriers thrown up, I think you just need to kind of stay true to your purpose, bulldoze through those barriers or find a way around them. So it doesn't always have to be a bulldozing situation. It could be a little bit of a negotiation as well. But I really try to not find myself in a position where people are saying no and instead find a way for people to kind of say yes and, you know, just keep moving themselves, the industry that they're in, their life forward. Yeah, I love that. Bulldoze through those barriers or navigate your way through them, negotiate your way through them. And in all of those, your three pieces of advice, pursuing development relentlessly, recognizing your strengths, bulldozing through barriers. You are truly a thriving equine professional, Crystal, doing those things so enthusiastically, which I know that our listeners can hear from you and I appreciate so much. So I'm excited to keep working with you and keep bringing change and evolving this industry. So how can people get in touch with you? If our listeners want to learn more about Crystal Smith, they want to learn more about WVU, the American Collegiate Horsemen's Association, tell us how to find you. Okay, so if they want to get in touch with me personally or professionally for any advice, they're welcome to send me an email. My email is just crystal.smith at mail.wvu.edu, and I'd be happy to answer anyone. Also, you can find both programs on social media. So American Collegiate Horsemen's Association is on social media as American underscore collegiate underscore horsemen. And then the Equine Studies Program at WVU is at WVUEQ. So we'd be happy to have anyone follow us on social media, keep up with all of the fun activities that we have planned for the upcoming year. And again, if anybody has a need to reach out to me for advice, mentorship, connections, whatever the case may be, I'd love to hear from you by email. 
Perfect. And I'll drop all of that in the show notes, including your LinkedIn. I know that we are connected there as well. And so I'm always encouraging our listeners to be active on LinkedIn as they navigate the student to professional transition also. So Crystal, I cannot thank you enough for spending your Thursday with us on the Thriving Equine Professional. And listeners, we will see you back here same time next week for our next episode of the Thriving Equine Professional. Thanks, Crystal. Thank you so much, Jody. Hey, Thriver. I hope this episode inspired and empowered you to keep growing. If so, I'd be so grateful if you hit that share button and send it to your tribe so they can thrive too. And while you're there, please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts so everyone can find the show. I love to know what keeps you listening, especially if I'm at the barn with you. I'll meet you back here same time next week. Cheers, Jody.